Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking with Ronna McDaniel. She's chair of the Republican National Committee. President Trump is visiting Arizona again. This is his first trip back to the Grand Canyon state since the coronavirus really sort of sent the country into lockdown. We're breaking down why he's back in Arizona at this time. All right, Chairwoman, thank you so much for joining us. The president was just here in February, and obviously life has changed quite a bit since then. Why is he coming back to the state so soon? Well, he's coming to visit the Honeywell uh, facility that has been instrumental in the whole of America approach of expanding their production of N95 masks for our healthcare personnel. And you're seeing both the president and the vice president now visiting uh, facilities across the country that have helped us fight this pandemic. What are his political calculations for, for coming here to Arizona? We're pretty important this cycle. You know, I don't think the president's as focused on political as much as how do I highlight the good work that's being done by America company, American companies and once again reiterate something he's run on from the beginning, which is we need to have manufacturing in the United States. We can't allow all of our supply chains to leave our country. And this crisis has shown that to be more true than ever. And so going to these facilities and talking about that need and showing what they've been able to do to help us fight this pandemic right here in the United States is critical for the American people to see. So if the president is uh, not focused on politics at the moment, I, I guess that's understandable, but we, the rest of us certainly do look at it uh, from time to time. Uh, Democrats made arguably their best showing in Arizona in 30 years in 2018. Uh, how much of that was because of President Trump and how much of it was due to other things? Well, Arizona is such an important state, obviously, for the president's reelection. And the president's focused on governing. But as the RNC chair, I am focused on the campaign a little bit more. Uh, so you saw Doug Ducey have a strong showing and then the Senate race. Uh, we lost to cinema. So one of the things that we did is, a, is an autopsy of 2018 to see where those Trump voters were. And we identified about 200,000 Trump voters that stayed home in 2018 that were there in 2016. And that's going to be our key to not only winning the state in 2020 for the president, but also winning that Senate seat for Martha McSally. The Republican Party really has built a pretty powerful operation to, to boost turnout among conservatives and some of these new voters that you're talking about. The president obviously enjoys these rallies with thousands of his supporters here. The coronavirus has really put an end to the door-to-door politicking that we've all, you know, come to to see as normal. And these large gatherings um, seem to still be really months away, if they happen at all, before the election. How much have Republicans had to reinvent um, their game plans because of the pandemic? Well, we went completely virtual within 24 hours. Uh, the good news for us is we had 
staff on the ground in our battleground states already. We had 800 staff deployed across the country. So we were able to mobilize quickly and we've uh, added uh, virtual trainings, virtual meetups and virtual voter registration. And all of that is, is going on full force. We've actually added 300,000 new volunteers just, this, just since this pandemic started and we've made 20 million voter contacts. So uh, it is a change. I love retail politicking. I miss it. Um, but we haven't let that slow us down in our efforts to get ready for November. So speaking of those efforts, uh, it seems like independent voters are really the key to winning in a, a state like Arizona. Uh, right now, a lot of people are concerned that we are on the verge of a depression uh, in all of this coronavirus. Uh, can the president hang on to a majority in a state like Arizona after really sort of playing to his base for four years and his Trump card, no pun intended, being the economy? It seems like that that most critical element of his reelection campaign has been sort of taken off the table just five months before the votes. I, I do think independent voters are going to be very critical um, to success in, in November. And we get to make the argument to voters, and we're seeing this resonate already, which is that as a businessman, Trump came in and put our economy in a place like we, we hadn't seen with 7 million new jobs, record low unemployment, and the Hispanic community, the Asian community, the African-American community. And we had an economy that was humming and a crisis like nothing we've ever seen before hit our country. The president's leading us through that, but he is absolutely going to be the right person to restore that economy because he's done it before. Joe Biden's been a career politician. All he's ever done is, is sit in Washington. He's never started a business. And because of the president's experience and because of his record, he gets to run on how he will bring this economy back. And that's really resonating, not just with Republicans, but independents as well. We've all seen the stories about the polling that suggests that the president uh, may be struggling with seniors right now as well. That's obviously a key constituency here in Arizona and elsewhere. How do you turn things around or shore up the support among those who are really concerned about what they're seeing in some of these long-term care facilities and have other concerns like the cost of prescription drugs? Well, the president is really concerned about our seniors and not from a voting standpoint, but obviously they are the most vulnerable to this virus. He, I know one of his very close friends passed away from this virus. Um, it's been something that's hit home for him personally. And he spoke last night in his town hall about the recognition that so many of these uh, nursing homes have become incredibly vulnerable. So part of flattening the curve and having Americans stay home was to make sure that our seniors were protected. And that is why as he's slowly opening up this country, he's still uh, balancing the safety and health of our seniors as we move forward. And that's going to be a priority for him. Um, let me shift gears just a bit uh, to the Senate race for a moment. Um, polls have consistently shown Senator McSally trailing Democrat Mark Kelly um, across a, a number of different pollsters uh, by different margins, but she's consistently down. She also lost in 2018 in, in a Senate race here. Uh, how does she get things turned around uh, for this cycle? Yeah, so Martha uh, or Senator McSally 
is definitely going to benefit from having the president on the ticket and those 200,000 voters that I mentioned who will come out for the president who may have not turned out in 2018. I think she's done a phenomenal job leading in the Senate, especially with the PPP to make sure that small businesses had the money, a lifeline so they could keep their employees. Uh, and I think the case can be made to Arizona voters that, you know, you may know Mark Kelly, you may like him, uh, but he's going to be a vote for Chuck Schumer. And Chuck Schumer dragged his feet for weeks because he wanted to put election reforms in instead of getting this critical money to small businesses. Chuck Schumer will put activist judges on the bench in the, in the Supreme Court and across the board. And Chuck Schumer is certainly not aligned with the ideals and the values of the people of Arizona. Going back, though, to, to some of that consistent polling that we've seen, I mean, what, what does it signal to Republicans that Arizona, which is obviously a very reliably red state once upon a time, could go from decades of having two GOP senators to having two Democrats in the space of just two years? Well, I fully expect that Arizona will will elect Martha McSally, but we're not going to take any vote for granted. I think she exemplifies the ideals and the values of your state, but you have two very well-known candidates in this race. Um, Kelly has had no primary challenge, just like cinema didn't. So it's going to be important for us to talk about how aligned he is with Chuck Schumer, as well as has cinema has been since she's gone to the Senate. They run as moderates and they go around the state and they say, I'm going to exemplify Arizona. And then they govern like New Yorkers and Californians. And I don't think that's going to appeal to most people in Arizona. Um, shifting gears one more time, uh, Representative David Schweikert uh, has uh, a $1 million cash deficit uh, compared to one possible Democratic challenger, Harold Tipperneni. Um, how much can the party afford to financially support someone in a House race like that, especially with someone like David Schweikert, who is facing an ethics complaint? Is this, uh, is this race going to be the kind that the party can focus on and, and how much? You know, we'll be looking at every race. There's absolutely the potential to win back the House. Uh, we only need 18 seats to flip back the House. Uh, the party, and I, and I say this often and I say this to candidates, we build the infrastructure. We're going to help with the get out the vote, the data, the digital technology, but the candidate has to be raising money and doing those things themselves. So there are a lot of races across the country and uh, we need to see uh, those candidates working hard to make sure that they get elected. It's got to be a hand in hand. So with that in mind, um, how do you feel about the party's chances in uh, the first district uh, where uh, Tom O'Halloran currently holds that seat for the Democrats or in the second district where Ann Kirkpatrick is the Democratic incumbent and one of the leading Republican candidates uh, basically withdrew after uh, failing to secure enough valid signatures? Uh, do, is the party ready to make a challenge to try and win back that majority here in Arizona? We're, we're, all, we're all in in Arizona, and we're actually invested across the state, so we'll be fighting for every single state seat. Um, but as you know, as we get closer and closer, there will be decisions made as, uh, your, as the field narrows, as polls come out, as we start to look at uh, the campaigns heading closer and closer to Election Day. Um, so those candidates have to work hard, and we've got to make sure that we're investing in races where we can actually win. And that'll be a decision between the NRCC and the RNC 
as we get further um, down the road and closer to the election. But right now, every race is on the table and we're investing statewide in Arizona. Lastly, the president has been pretty critical of mail-in voting, but here in Arizona, as you know, we've been voting that way for a lot of years and Republicans have done quite well under that system. Is this something to maybe consider nationally or um, have we been doing it wrong all these years? You know, I think you just hit on the nail on the head of why we're, um, we're, str- we're against this. We don't want national mail-in voting. You just said your state's done it well at the state level and handled it okay. Every state has the ability to do absentee voting. The Republican Party's against a federalized voting coming to Washington, D.C. and taking that away from the states. States have done a good job with this. They've put safeguards in place. They vetted this. And for the national Democrats to be saying, let's throw everything out the window seven months from an election and take everything to the federal government, uh, I think is frightening. It will lead to chaos. And this is coming from a party that couldn't even count votes in Iowa uh, for their presidential contest. So the states all have the mechanism to do absentee voting, and that's where it should stay. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything that you really want Arizona voters to know ahead of the president's trip here tomorrow? No, I think we're good. I wish I were in Arizona instead of Michigan. It's cold here. (laughs) Thank you so much. Chairwoman, thanks for your time. We appreciate you sharing your views and get here when you can. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Ron, what's your big takeaway on the intention behind uh, the president's trip here? Well, the thing that struck me was how much the chairwoman was really kind of emphasizing the performance of governmental duties here for the president. You know, when he was here in February, that was really about uh, his campaign, his reelection. It was a sales pitch all the way through and a pretty impressive one uh, with lots of fans packing the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. This time, this is really sort of more sober. They're trying to strike that more sober tone, um, trying to portray a president really kind of tending to the duties of governing. That's also been a message that Senator McSally has been really portraying and an image that she's been portraying. You know, here she is voting on these massive relief packages. She is um, using, leveraging the power of her office to connect with tens of thousands of Arizonans across the state. And, uh, you know, her message in terms of, you know, politics on all this is anyone who isn't holding an office right now is essentially sidelined. And that's a, a reference to her Democratic opponent, Mark Kelly. It also is interesting how, um, the chairwoman talked just about how Republicans are really going to be all in with every single seat in this state and that they're not going to take anything for granted. So, um, you know, it's it's one thing to hear that from political pundits and elected officials and, you know, their surrogates. And we hear that that sort of messaging from them all the time. But to actually hear it from Chairwoman McDaniel herself was really interesting. Yeah. And even as she's talking about competing everywhere, she also was kind of cautious about sort of acknowledging the party will at some point have to make some decisions about who they support and and the extent to which they can support them. That really sort of seems to get at the reality that we see with the David Schweikert race, for example, where he is 
massively outraised by at least one of the Democrats he might face in Hiral Tipperneni. And we also see that in Tom O'Halloran and Ann Kirkpatrick's cases, the Republicans are really sort of uh, trying to find whether they have any viable opposition to, to mount there. The fact of the matter is when Chairman Chairwoman McDaniel looks at the map, there are a lot of tough seats for Republicans to be defending, and there aren't a lot of great opportunities for pickups, especially in this political climate right now. So they're going to have to make some pretty serious decisions, and, and she sort of hinted at that. Yeah, it was really interesting, too, that she was still talking about, you know, growing the Republican base. And this is something that we've talked a lot about on the Gaggle podcast. We've written about it for the Arizona Republic, um, especially at a time when the president's support among seniors seems to be really um, eroding. And this is in part because of, you know, all of the just horrific stories that we're hearing from um, these long-term care facilities where seniors are dying because of the coronavirus. And so I would expect uh, for the Republican Party and um, their allies to really try to message around, um, you know, what he's doing on maybe some other issues related to seniors like social, social security, Medicare, prescription drugs, you know, as we head closer towards November 2020. That's it for today, Gecko listeners. Thank you so much for joining. And while we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was masterfully edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.